Jesus, another shout of praise. Lord Jesus, we never get tired of singing about you. We never get tired of praising your name. Because Lord, when we look back over our life, we just see your faithfulness and your goodness in every time, in every season. Lord, even in the difficult times, the times that we can't understand, you've always been there. You've always been good to us. And even, Lord, when we've, Lord, been up and when we've been down, you've always been consistent. Lord, you've been there at every point of decision when we've made right decisions and even when we've made wrong decisions. We've never felt you breathing heavily over us in anger. We've never felt, Lord, that you've been displeased with us because your grace and your goodness and your kindness, Lord, sees us through even all of the failings that we come with, Lord. And we just want to say today, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your unfailing love. And that same love that's brought us thus far will continue with us on throughout this year and every year ahead of us, Lord, until you welcome us home into your kingdom. Lord, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn around and say hello to somebody before you sit down? That's a bit different, isn't it? And then when you've sat down, let's thank our musicians for blessing us this morning. 2019. Woohoo! It's going to be a great year. It's going to be a great year because Jesus is leading us on and leading us through and there's going to be great things for you and I and for the church in 2019. He's going to do, I believe, exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And I believe that we should reach for that. I believe that that should be the picture around our expectation that we believe for great things from God. 2019 is not going to be a rehash or a repeat of 2018 or any other year. It's going to be new. It's going to be fresh where we experience and apprehend the promises of God for our lives. There is so much that God has for us. There is so much blessing for, for our personal lives, so much blessing for our corporate life as a family in this church. Many things, and let's never, you know, take our foot off the accelerator. Let's never slow down in our pursuit of him, in our love for one another. 2019 is going to be a great year, a blessed year. It really is. It really is. And, you know, whilst, well... In December, whilst in bed, I was just, you know, as you do, look at, look at the ceiling, just asking the Holy Spirit, what can I bring to your family in 
2019 on this first Sunday to really set the course for our lives personally and for our lives as a church. And immediately, almost in my spirit, up came a phrase from the Spirit, from His Word, and it was this, well able. You are well able. And you know, I I knew almost immediately where it was from. You are well able in 2019. You're not deficient. You're not retreating back into old patterns. You are well able to pursue everything God puts in front of you. You're well able to meet life, to meet challenge, to meet every situation that faces you, whether it's in your home, whether it's out there in the world. Church, you're not deficient. You're well able well able, fitted for life. In fact, Peter put it this way. He says that God has given us everything that pertains to life and to godliness through these wonderful, precious promises. What was he saying? You're well able, church. You're well able. You're not walking into 2019 naked and ashamed and afraid and almost retreating. No, you're well able. You're well able. And I believe, you know, this, this word has uh, a, a prophetic nature about it. In that, when you come up against situations and you're afraid, as we will. When you come up against situations that, that seem to tower over you. This word like a jack-in-the-box is just going to erupt inside you. Well able. It's prophetic. The Holy Spirit is going to seed it into your heart this morning. I can't do it, but He can do it. He's going to seed it right into the core of your spirit so that when you and I go out into the world as we will and we meet all of these various challenges that seem bigger than what we are, suddenly the Word of God, like a jack-in-the-box, is going to just erupt within you and enable you and assure you That you're well able. You really are. What situation is telling you that you're unable? I'm telling you now the Spirit of God in His Word is is contradicting that. And telling you that you're able. Well able in fact. Well able to do what He's called you to do. In whatever area of life you find yourself. Whether it's in your work. Does that seem bigger than you? The challenges around you? Does, does, it, does it feel overbearing? You're well able. And that may, you know, in relation to the conditions that you're in, that word may seem contrary. It may seem like, a, like an awful contradiction that you don't want to hear this morning. But you're well able. Go back into that situation with the Holy Spirit, with this word seeded in your heart and approach it in a different way. God will give you favor where there seems to be no favor, where there seems to be no way. If he can make a road in the wilderness, he can make a way for you, church. You're the the apple of his eye. He's got a covenant with you. And he's going to bless you in ways that you can't even imagine. Well, Abel. 
Is it in your home where things are, are, are difficult and tough, maybe with your children, raising them? You've never done this before. You've never faced the situations or the decisions that you've got to make or the correction that you've got to bring as a parent. You've, you've never been faced with the challenges that maybe your teenagers or your young children are presenting you with and they're, they're they're full of questions. Let me tell you, you're well able. Your answer doesn't come in a 12-step parent book that you need to read. The Spirit of God is inside you. He's well able. There is an anointing that abides within you whereby you have no need that any man teach you concerning anything for the anointing will teach you concerning all things. What does that say? Well able. Well able with the anointing. Well able with the Spirit of God to deal with every aspect of life. You're well equipped, church. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, went and ascended on high, as we know, so that he could leave the wonderful person of his Holy Spirit, not only with us, but in us. You've got all of the answers that you need. Now, that doesn't mean to say that we discount, you know, counsel from one another. It doesn't mean to say that we don't listen to good advice. But the Holy Spirit, he's in you. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. He will give you that wisdom that you need for your marriage. He'll give you the wisdom that you need for your children in raising them. He'll give you the wisdom when to speak and when not to speak. And I'm telling you now, it's hard to obey him on that one. But bless God, he can even give us self-control. And that's a bigger miracle than anything when it comes to us as people. But he can do that because he's good. He's good and he, he wants us not, you know, sometimes people just want you to fail. And they take great pleasure in seeing you fail. And they, they take great pleasure in telling you that you're unable to do the tasks ahead of you or around you. But God takes no pleasure in the failure of any person. He takes no pleasure in, in you know, people going through tough things and, and not succeeding. God takes great pleasure in his people succeeding. He really does. Not to be proud or arrogant with that success, but to humbly recognize that it's from him. And he enables us to be well able for every outcome and for every event in life. It brings him great pleasure for you to succeed. It really does, whether that be in your business, whether it be in your marriage, in your family, in your home, in church life, in every aspect of life, he wants to make us well able. Now last week, we may stay here for a few weeks on this, but last week we looked at Paul's attitude to the past. And you know, we said that if we are going to successfully go forward, in our personal lives and in our corporate lives as a church, as a family, we have to be able to successfully close the door on the past. Do you know what? Every one of us in this room has got a past. There are things in that past that want to drag us by. It don't matter if you're a, if you're a bishop or a priest like me. It matters not. I've got a past, you've got a past, and one of the biggest hindrances and enemies to every single one of us, every day sometimes, is that awful past. But the wonderful liberating thing is that God 
doesn't remember our past. So when I go into his presence whining about this, you know, this, this old issue that keeps cropping up, maybe it's fear or maybe it's an emotion that I can't shake free and it's my temperament, it's, the, it's maybe the limp in my walk that always seems to drag me down. He says, Dave, do you know what? I, I just can't remember that aspect about your past. I see you as brand new in Christ. I see you as more than able. I don't see you as... as a person with a spirit of fear. I see you with love, power, and a sound mind. Able, well able to deal with every mental battle, with every emotional feeling. I've, I've fitted you. Now step into that, Dave, because I don't remember all this old stuff that you're barking on about. And don't look at me as if I'm the only one in the room that goes into his presence like that. We all do. But you know what? The wonderful thing is, as a Christian, it's not just singing hymns on a Sunday. We love doing that. But the wonderful thing is, the most liberating thing in this life is that you can close the door on the past and it has to remain shut. It really does. Even God closes the door on our past. He says, as far as the east is from the west, I will remember your sins no more. Thank God he doesn't remember my sins or your sins. We can come into his presence and sing and be joyful because God, God has, has forgotten everything about all of those old things that once characterized us. It's wonderful. Our past is closed. It's over. And Paul knew our tendencies as people to remember the past and to rehearse the past and to go back down that old road that we came from. And he addresses it when he writes to the Philippians in chapter 3, verse 13. He says this, Brethren, I do not count myself to, to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Paul was a man that knew that he was able to forget the past. In fact, if it's the one thing that you do this year, if, if that is the only thing that you do this year, bring closure, good closure to your past. I'm telling you, your life is going is, is to be launched into new New things that God's got for you. But you know, when you read the Bible, you always see this tension. You always see this tug of war scenario, this strain between God wanting to take his people into a new future and between the enemy and their own very heart being dragged back into their past. It's hard when things have happened in our lives that have really marked us. When, when things have happened in our mind, in, in our lives that has really changed and molded and shaped our thinking. And we can't get beyond it. Do you know what? The Holy Spirit enables us to, to, to embrace a new beginning. To embrace change so that we haven't got to be held and bound by those old ways and patterns of thinking that have restricted us and held us down. He really does. He really does. He's the counselor. He is the therapist. He really is. 
You can sit in his therapy room and he won't experiment on you with ideas and formulas and theories from, from, you know, from previous psychologists. He will come to you with the word of God and liberate you and whom the sun sets free will be free indeed. He's the perfect therapist. He really is. But God knows that we struggle with the past. And Paul said, listen, we can bring closure to the past. This one thing I do, I'm going to forget what's behind. And that word forget, I'll say it again, simply means this. To cease to be affected by. Oh, what a blessed life. I tell you now, you can have a million pound in the bank. And you can have the weight of the world on your shoulders. You can be the grumpiest person in the world. Why? Because you're chained to the past. Money doesn't do anything. Peace does everything. When you're set free by the peace of God in relation to your past, you're the richest person in the world. Nothing wrong with money. God's going to bless you with it. Don't be afraid of it. He's going to bless you with it more this year than you've, than you've ever known. He really is. But that doesn't bring the blessing. The blessing is in here. Paul's in a prison and he says, I'm forgetting what's behind me and I'm pressing on. That's my attitude. And he reveals his, his passion, his attitude and his direction and outlook for life in the way in which he speaks. Sometimes we've got to listen to ourselves to locate where we are. Sometimes we really do need to take an inventory of our heart condition by the words of our mouth. The words of your mouth are the greatest indication of where you're at in life. And sometimes, you know, it's, it can really be an, inf an informing thing to do. I can remember, you know, I used to, I used to say, I can't do that. I can't do this. And I can't was a phrase that was in my vocabulary a lot until the Holy Spirit pulled me up on it. And you know, when he pulls you up on something, every time you do it, you recognize that you're kind of stepping out of line. Now, I'm not saying that I don't say that anymore. I do sometimes. But you know, when the Holy Spirit pulls you up and he makes you aware of a, con a heart condition that's being spoken from your mouth. You become aware of it. And I remember when he, when he made me aware of that. And he said this. He said, there's not an I can't in my vocabulary. Only I can. Only I can. And you know, as I, as I understood that and as I saw that, I began to think, do you know what, Lord? I want to bring my mind and my, my words and my heart and my, my expectations in line with your word. I really do. Paul knew our tendency to hold on to the past and to revert back to it. And therefore he said, this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I press on. I go forward into the future that God has for me in Christ Jesus. Now, over these next few weeks, we're going to look at the children of Israel. Because 
like us, like us. They had very real challenges with their past. I, I love reading about the children of Israel because many of the things they faced and, and, and some of the complaints that they had, I find arising in my heart. Some of the tensions and pressures and situations that they found themselves in, sometimes I find myself in, in life. And as we look at the children of Israel wander through the wilderness, we must see with the eye of faith, we must see where God wants us to be in relation to our lives, and we must see what we must avoid and what we must embrace and make our decision and place our faith and our trust in what God has said and not just what we want to say and what we want to do. Let me read to you, or in a moment I'll read to you from Numbers chapter 13. But let me just give you some background before we read what we're about to read. In Numbers chapter 13, the children of Israel had finally come to the point of a new beginning. They'd come to the area of the Jordan and God wanted them to cross the Jordan River to get into the promised land. Now this land was amazing because God had spoken to Abraham about this land that he wanted to give it to his people. He protected it. He'd ensured that that. It was a blessed place, full of provision for them. And they had come to a point in their journey where now God wanted them to cross over into this new opportunity, this new blessing that he had for them. But like any new opportunity, like any new blessing, like any new thing that God sets up for our life, Sometimes what can happen is that we recoil in fear. We back off. Because what we see beyond the border on which we stand is challenge and difficulty. And we begin to interpret things in a way that God doesn't want us to interpret them in. And this is what happened in Numbers chapter 13. Twelve spies were sent up into the promised land. And 10 of the spies came back with a distorted view, a bad report. They hadn't taken time to see the land and interpret what they saw from God's perspective. They simply just looked from their own perspective. And it's very easy to do this I can't tell you whether I would have been one of the ten or one of the two. In all honesty, you've got to be honest because when it, it's really when the challenge hits, that's really when you find out what you got in you. And this is what happened. Ten come back and there's like, you know, there's two million people all waiting. They had been there 40 days spying out the land, surveying this, this wonderful promise that God had spoken about for over 400 years. He'd promised Abraham that land. And then, you know, the Israelites had gone into Egypt. 
They'd been captive for 400 years in slavery. God had delivered them massively. They'd gone through a Red Sea. They traveled 40 years in the wilderness. God had, had appeared in a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. He provided manna, their clothes, their clothes. God provided their clothes. It says it in the word of God. He provided manna for food and quail. A, a, a rock was struck and water gushed out. I mean, God came at every point and met every need that they had, even though they criticized him and they were suspicious of him and they complained and they argued and they, they traversed the wilderness and they circled it. Finally, after 40 years, they get to the point, this is the time where we enter the promise. This is what everything has hinged on. And 10 come back and they give a bad report Let me read it to you from Numbers 13, verse 26 to verse 33. It says this, Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. It's amazing, isn't it, when they're holding in their hands the fruit of a brand new future. God will show you the fruit of a brand new future for your life, but it's still going to take faith to apprehend it. It really is. You're still going to have to walk in faith, faith and implicit trust in his word in order to put your hand on that fruit in your future. Fruit. They held in their hands from the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Here's the evidence of this brand new opportunity, this brand new beginning, this brand new land. Fruitfulness that God has for us. Here's the evidence. Nevertheless, Oh my goodness. Here it comes. The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, so you've got a nevertheless and you've got a moreover. When you've got a nevertheless followed by a moreover, you know we've got a spirit of unbelief. My goodness me. I've lost my place. Moreover. Moreover. Huh? It's beyond you. Oh, don't know. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, nevertheless, I'll start there. The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover. Yay! We saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people. 
I'm telling you now, thank God for people that will stand up and say, be quiet. Be quiet. Stop what you're saying. I thank God for people that have come to me sometimes, and more often than not, moreover, it's been my wife. <laughs> Dave, be quiet. Be quiet. And yes, Louise said amen to that one. <laughs> Do you know, we need to, we, we can't be offended by people who stand up in our face and say, hey, listen, be quiet. Don't be afraid. You know, when you hear a negative confession or something that's outside of the parameters of God's word and promise for your life, don't ever be afraid or ashamed to say, one moment, say it politely, please be quiet. Don't put that stuff on me. And Caleb, one man and Joshua with him. But Caleb here stands up in the midst of all of this negativity and says, excuse me, be quiet. Then Caleb quieted the people. What a noise it must have been. What a noise. But this man is burning with a passion. He wants to obtain the promises of God for his life and for everybody else. Quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, let me just stop here. Let me just stop here and say this. There is a time for patience. They were patient for 40 years. But there's a time where you have to go up and once and take possession of what God has promised. Because if you don't, you procrastinate in unbelief. God, I tell you now, God, God wants us to be patient. It's necessary. The Bible says through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. You can't be impulsive and just run around crazy and say, I've got faith for this and I've got faith for that. That's foolishness. There is a time where God gives you a word and that word is seeded in your heart and you, you're in a place of faith and then maybe over years you've got to be patient. But there is a time where patience has done its work and to, to not go up and take possession at once is to procrastinate in unbelief. You are more than able, church. And I'm telling you, for some of you, the time of patience has ended. It's done its work. And now it's time to take possession of that sound mind. It's time to take possession of that abundant life that Jesus has given you and that new nature and those precious promises that have equipped you for life and godliness. No more patience in relation to the process that you're going through. You've been patient long enough and God says now you're going to take possession. Don't be afraid of the giants. Don't be afraid of the fortified cities. Go up at once and grab that thing by the scruff of the neck and say you're mine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Well, of course they are. If you haven't got God with you, 
Of course you are. If you're, if you're concluding that you're going to go up on your own and face these giants and face these challenges without God on your side. Of course they are. When you take God out of the equation, everything is impossible. You might as well run back or swim back over the Red Sea and, and just enjoy the slavery that Egypt put you under for the rest of your life. But if God is for you, who can be against you? You see, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. What shall we say concerning these things? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The same challenges and tensions faced the Apostle Paul and that's why he made such strong statements to the church, don't back off. You're more than a conqueror, he would say. Don't back off. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Don't turn around and run away. He's for you, not against you. Paul had the same challenges, if not more. But he, he stirred up the church and he seeded their hearts with the word of God. And every time they faced their crisis, every time they faced hard, severe, dark times, like a jack-in-the-box, that word would spring up in the believers. And that's why the church was, was unbeatable and victorious on every front. Because the word of God inside them would enable them to be strong and go through. We are not able, they said, to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants the descendants of Anak. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Let me encourage you. Like Paul encourages all of us. I believe it's in Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. He says this. Let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. Let it dwell, let it have its home, let it have its roots inside your life so that the definition of your life is not defined by your own mind or your own past experience or the voices of the world around you. It's defined by the rich reservoir of God's word filling you. It really is. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be a walking, talking concordance. It just means that your life is going to be fulfilled and rich. And as you face the challenges, it doesn't mean that you step forward arrogantly and proudly in your own strength. Sometimes it can mean humbly going to your knees and crying out to God in the privacy of your own room and God working and arranging everything by his sovereign hand. Because that's what he does. It really is. But let that word of Christ dwell within you richly because that will define who you are in response to the challenges that face you. These 10 spies, where did they get their definition from? We'll find out next week. <laughs> their definition, 
had no spirit of faith in it, had no promise of God, no trust in their words. They simply felt, felt all alone in that wilderness and they felt that their home was just destined to be there. But Joshua and Caleb stood up in their midst and says, hey, listen, we're not grasshoppers. God is for us. God is with us. Just look back over the last past 40 years and you'll see it. Evident. Every point, every juncture, he's been there. We can go up. We can do this. We can take this. The decisions that we make determine our directions in life. To trust God is a decision. To trust his word is a decision. Circumstances can be contrary. You know, there's been people in this church, their bodies have been sick. Everything. I'm telling you now, they're the champions of faith. They really are. You know, not, not, not the, the, the person wearing gold and a nice suit and putting his hand on your head and, you know, having miracles come out of the end of his arm. They're not, the, they're not the heroes of faith. It's the people who've persevered with sickness in their body and are still standing for Jesus more than able. They're the, they're the champions of faith, if you want to know it. They're the people that should be on TV testifying for Jesus. Really? I'm still here. My body's sick. But do you know what? He's still a good God. He still loves me. And I still love him. And I believe, I believe that, that, that he's going to heal me. But even if he doesn't heal me, my eyes are fixed on him, the author and finisher of my faith. They're the heroes. They're the heroes of faith. Or those that have gone through things that none of us know about. Painful circumstances. Unbelievable. And if we did know, we would be horrified sometimes. I've known of situations that people have gone through sometimes. And they're horrific. And yet week after week, people in this church. And I'm sure in many other churches across Newport, they faithfully come. They raise their hands. They sing. They praise God. They read their word. Do you know why? Because the word of Christ is, is, is richly deposited in them. And they're not allowing the circumstances that are external to them to define the Christ inside them. He gives them strength. I'm telling you. They're the heroes. They're the heroes of faith, really. People who are well able, well able, well fitted for life. And others, parents that have got circumstances in their home and they break their heart over it. Heroes of faith. Gentle, loving, just continuing on. Don't understand everything wish that they hadn't been allotted with the particular things that have happened in their life. But nonetheless, they keep going. Keep going. Keep praying. Keep persevering. But these people wanted to back off and back down. And they made a decision. And that decision deter determined the direction. Listen, Ten voices determined the direction of two million people. It's amazing, really. 
and close the whole thing, the whole thing down. 1 Corinthians 16, 19. Uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9. Paul talks about a wonderful opportunity that it, he was aware of in the city of Ephesus that had been given to him. A brand new opportunity, and he says it's like a door that's been opened. It's wonderful when there's doors that have been opened for your life, but then suddenly at the foot of that door, right at the threshold of it, there was so much oppo uh, opposition. He wanted to go through that, that door, but there was hindrance after hindrance queuing up to meet him, to stop him going through that wonderful opportunity that was presented to him in that open door. He says this, a wide door for effective service has been opened to me in Ephesus. A very, this is the amplified version, a very promising opportunity. But there are many adversaries, adversaries, opportunity, open doors are going to be afforded to you this year and, and every year after this year because God loves you. And God doesn't want you to shrink back. God wants you to walk through those doors. They're promising opportunities. They, they offer great blessing for your life and not only for your life, but for the life of those around you. But there is going to be adversary. There's going to be adversary to enter into that promised land. There's going to be adversary queuing up to meet you that wants to be like a ceiling over your life to stop you and hinder you going on through into everything that God has for you. Listen, don't back off. Meet those adversaries head on with this spirit. I am well able. I don't feel it. I don't look it. I don't even maybe think it. But you know what? It's in my spirit. I'm well able and I'm going to go forward and trust you, God. And even if I fall, even in, even in falling, there's going to be lessons and blessings that I can take from even falling down and falling over. But I'm going to get back up, dust myself off and continue on going forward like a good soldier for Christ on the battlefield. I tell you something now, a battlefield is a messy place. It really is full of mud up to your knees. You know, you're, you're, you're wallowing through it, but you keep going forward towards the finish to apprehend all of the promises that God has for you. Don't back up. Don't back off. Finally, I'm going to ask the musicians just to come up and we're going to close the service in a minute. Do you know, many years ago now, <clears throat> could be even 10 or 11 years ago, Jesus Cares was just starting and um, it was beginning to grow in a way that nobody foresaw, nobody planned. And, um, you know, like sometimes you try to contain things on a table and the only picture I can tell you is just like spilling off the table in every direction. I mean, we were just walking backwards into things. There was no planning. There was, there was no strategy. 
There, 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 there was just a word, a prophetic word that God had given from Mark. And it was like when that prophetic word was given, it was like a button was pressed. I'm telling you now, it was like a button was pressed. And there was no going back. No matter, no matter how little we felt, no matter what fears arose in our hearts, and they arose in my heart, there was no going back. It was just like the tide just pushed you. You had no choice. We had no choice in the matter. We didn't know the first thing about ambient food. We, we had no idea about warehousing and articulated lorries and forklifts. I had to get a forklift license. No idea. Walking backwards into what God had planned, not only for our lives, but for all of our lives. Knew nothing. And, and it was just starting to grow. And, and it, was, it was amazing, all of us. And I thought, Lord, I, I can remember it. I was in the kitchen. It was a Saturday. And I was looking out of the window in our home in Cumbran. And I just looked. And I said, God... Give me a sign. Lord, I want the green light to go for funding. Give me a sign. I need a sign. If this is the direct, di right direction to proceed in. The church was funding and still does fund. Jesus cares in a proportion. But I knew for it to go to the place where God wanted to take it, it needed external resource, external funding. And that in many ways would bring a credibility of its own that we have now. Give me a sign, God. You see, this is how God does it. It's not always, usually in meetings like this, this is just to seed you, to give you faith, to give you courage, to give you encouragement. But it's going to be in your lonely room, in your closet, on a walk. On your bike, in a kitchen. God, give me a sign. And that was it. I left it. You know, the next day, Sunday, a guy comes, a guy by the name of Steve. And uh, I haven't seen him for many years. But he, he traveled about 60 miles on this particular Sunday. Never seen him in my life. And... Um, a steward afterwards comes up to me and passes me a piece of paper and his number's on it. And, and under the number is this, information about funding. Information about funding. I thought, ooh, that's unusual. I ring him up. I says, uh, hi, you sent a, a note through just to ring you about funding. He said, yeah. He said, I've got experience in funding. He said, if, if you need me to help you, I can help you on the journey with funding. I said, that'd be fantastic. We went on a journey together for about three to six months, looking at funding. And then we put an application together that took about, about a, a further six months. And we applied to a funder to fund Jesus Cares. We wrote that application. Maybe about, because these things take a long time. You have got to be patient, right? Maybe about 
six months later. So usually when you're, when you're going for funding, it takes a good easily 12 months, sometimes 18 months to, to get a response. Or you get responses along the way, but you get invited into different rooms as you progress towards a decision. So anyway, we get to the final stage and a letter comes through and it's got the, it's got the logo of the, the, the funder on the letter and I'm so excited. I think this is it. Because I was confident about, you know, the, the application that we've sent, we'd sent. And I opened the letter and the letter read, we're sorry to inform you. Oh man, I only had to read those words. <laughs> and I knew, unfortunately, we are sorry to inform you that on this occasion, we are unable to support your work in Jesus Cares. And, you know, it's, it's a gracious letter, but it was really disappointing, really disappointing. But that morning, I had another letter, that very morning. And whilst I'd opened this letter and that was disappointing, there was another letter from another funder. I opened it up and it was inviting us to again apply for funding. Do you know what? Everything within me didn't want to respond to that new opportunity, that open door. I thought, my goodness, I've spent 12 months researching this, working this. All of us as a staff, not just me, Haley, Faye, Marcia, all of us that were involved collecting data, you know, getting letters of recommendation from many agencies across Newport. I mean, it was a big piece of work. And everything within me didn't want to go through that door. And then I thought, no. We got to do this. So again, we went on another 12-month journey, collecting information, working with agencies. And then I went to see a person as we, as we embarked on filling out this application. I went to a person that, that knew about funding, that had been successful in funding within Newport, a manager that we had connections with. Really nice person. They went through the information with me and they, they couldn't believe the opportunities that were open. When I mentioned about all of the agencies that we work with in Newport alone, she said to me, she said, how on earth, how on earth, she said, I've been working in this business for over 25 years. How on earth have you got all of these openings to you. You've got businesses, you've got warehousing, you've got, you, you've got companies coming to you. How on earth is this possible? We haven't got all of these connections. How are you working with all of our community first centers and, and you're on, a, on a regular basis? Deliver? They couldn't understand it. Well, we couldn't either. But Jesus does his thing. He really does. And that person looked at all the day. And they said, listen, don't apply for more than 25,000 pounds. You won't get it. Historically within Newport, there's very few agencies that apply for more than 25,000 pounds that ever get it. I went home, I told Faye, I said, well, I don't know what we're going to do. We prayed about it and decided to apply for 250,000. <laughs> I tell you now, listen, 
Listen, there are people that will frame your expectation. That pro- and and she's, she was a lovely person. She, you know, she wasn't doing that in a wrong way. But really, we had to make a decision. 25 grand is going to do nothing for the deprived in Wales, for the deprived in Newport. And we're not even scratching the surface, friends. 25 grand. That might get about two or three deliveries. If that, 25,000. I thanked her for the information. We decided to go for 250,000. And there were many, many little adversities and some big adversities along the way that wanted to stop us going through that door. Do you know what? We pushed through. We just kept pushing through. And then we got, we got a, I got a call one night from, from, from this one particular funder. And he said, listen, you're going to have to, you're going to have to explain the name of this project. And everything hinged on this. Jesus cares. You're labeling everything with Jesus cares. Um, I mean, is that exclusive to other religions? And all of these questions, I'm telling you now, when you need the wisdom of God, I'm a person with no education. Let me tell you, but the wisdom of God burning in your heart, it can, it can talk and it can articulate in ways that you would never even dream. And you can talk to people at the top of the tree and give a, a logical answer that retains, right, what, what we need as a church, but also answers their questions around the table. We got the 250,000, then we went on from there. We went on from there. We got a further 500,000. But you know what? Do you know what? That day, that day, letter one, rejection. (laughs) Letter two, an open door for opportunity, but adversity. Adversity. What is it that's standing in your way today? Listen, together. Together, we can go forward. Together, we can go through. Caleb wasn't saying, listen, I'll go up and do, let us, he says, go up at once. We do this together. We pray for one another. We strengthen one another. And those applications were successful, not because of one person, not at all, but because of a team effort and the input of many people within our staff and others too, and ultimately because Jesus breathed on it. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give him praise for his word this morning. We give you praise and honor for your word, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for your spirit in this place. And Lord, I pray for every person here today. Holy Spirit, Lord, you know where we are. You know what's trying to hold us back. You know where you want to take us to. Oh God, I thank you. There's some amazing, amazing openings that are coming to your people in this next year and the years on from this year. There's amazing blessings that are going to be afforded to them. Yes, there will be adversity at every new door. But Lord, I pray for the strength of your spirit within us to enable us to go through those open doors of great opportunity. Lord, I pray that this word, more than able, would be like a jack-in-the-box. 
just just erupting inside us in front of every challenge, more than able, in front of every difficulty and impossibility as we place our trust and our faith in you, Lord, I pray for your people. Holy Spirit, come now. Come now, Holy Spirit. Breathe on your people, Lord. Lord, I pray against the spirit of discouragement. I pray against the spirit of lethargy. I pray against the spirit of apathy. Lord, I pray against the spirit of fear. Lord, I thank you that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I pray that your church, Lord, would rise up and walk in a new level of freedom. Lord, I pray that you'd give us hands to heal the sick, more than able to heal the sick. Lord, I pray that you would give us a mouth, Lord, to proclaim your word and your gospel, more than able to speak light into a dark world. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your favor would be upon us even like it was in on Joseph, Lord. That, Lord, that, that Lord, you would, you would raise us to the top in our positions and in our vocations of life so that we might bring great blessing to this city and to the many others that, Lord, you want us to reach. So, Lord, I pray for your people today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would empower them. Lord, I pray that you would give us garments of praise that the spirit of heaviness would go in Jesus' name and we would put on the garment of praise more than able to deal with that spirit of heaviness putting on the garment of praise that you would fill our mouths with song you would fill our hearts with joy and Lord our minds and our affections would be on you I pray this for 2019 more than able more than able come on church 